Get your notes out. We're going to go very quick today. We're in this series called Real Talk. Real Talk. Just right down where the rubber meets the road. That's why you see them up here in beanies and hats and all of that. They're just kind of getting down. We're just trying to get down in your living room with you and, and talk to you. And how many is this Real Talk series being a blessing to? Amen. As we're dealing with just real stuff that we're all dealing with every day of our life. I want us to get right into the text. Last week, Kathy and I tag team, we talked to you about anger. And today I want to move into just where anger will lead into. It's one of those things that will lead into the message we want to talk to you today. But today I want to talk to you about destroying depression. Destroying depression. Everybody ever dealt with that ugly thing called depression? And we're going to help you win that battle today. Amen? Let's go to our text that we're reading every Sunday through this series. May the God of peace himself make you entirely, come on somebody, say entirely. How many is ready to just get this thing over with and win? Come on, anybody? That entirely pure and devoted to God. And may your spirit, God conscious, your soul, world conscious, my mind, my emotions, my will, and my body be kept strong and blameless until the day when your Lord Jesus Christ will come back again. And there's a war going on between these three. Because Paul said, there, there's a war raging inside of me. He said, the things I want to do, I find myself not doing. And the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Because your soul man can care less about your spirit or your body. If you haven't found that out, your soul man says, it's what I want to do. I'm going to go do it. I don't care what Jesus, my spirit man, says. And your body doesn't care about your spirit or your soul. Because it says, I want to eat that. I'm going to eat it. I, I want to go participate in this sinful act. I want my flesh fulfilled, and it doesn't care about the ramifications of your soul or your spirit. There's a war going on. And so we're talking about, Jesus says, I, I want to help you entirely walk pure. I want to help you maintain and manage all three so that we win this race of life and we're ready for the day of the coming of the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So today I want to talk about destroying Depression. Do you know that 80% of those that make New Year's resolutions have given up on them by Valentine's Day? And, and so we make it again next year and the next year and the next year. And 10 years later, we're still trying to get that one area of our life straightened out. We haven't got there yet. You with me? And the reason that's happening is that we've given up on hope and we've learned to cope. And anything you accept in your life, you will never change. That was worth coming to church for right there. Anything you accept as it's not going to change, it's not going to get better, it's going to be this way for the rest of my life, you're never going to see change. And here's what we're doing. We're trying to change from the outside in, bigger house, better car, better job, better career, more money. And how many likes all the above? I like all the above. Come on, somebody with me? All of those are wonderful things, but when I'm trying to find happiness through them and I'm trying to find life change through them, I'm more empty now than I was before because I put all my effort into something that didn't work. You only change from the inside out. And that's where God comes in. That we come and understand that I'm a spirit, soul, and body. And my soul's world conscious. It wants all those things. And, and my body is flesh conscious. It wants its desires fulfilled at whatever cost. And I have to come and realize that if I'm satisfying those two and I'm ignoring my spirit, man, I'm not going to see any change take place in my life because life change comes from inside 
with a spirit change and seek ye first the kingdom of God and then these things shall be added unto you. And so I want to take you on a journey today and overcome this thing called depression. Look at your notes. Depression is a feeling of a severe despondency and dejection, a mood disorder that causes a persistent feeling of sadness and loss of interest. And just right out to the side of that, a loss of all hope. A loss of change taking place. A loss of anything getting better. And all of a sudden, I allow this thing called discouragement because depression doesn't start off with depression. It starts off with something small, a little depression. And I don't know what to do with it. And so I hang on to it and it turns into despondency. And then I, I'm in a deeper level of darkness and then all of a sudden I isolate myself from everybody and then I find myself into this pit of deep darkness called depression. Depression's where you give up hope. You give up hope in your life, your dreams, your marriage, your finances, your career, your ministry. Everything in life goes away when you find yourself in this pit of depression. And every one of us in this room deals with depression at some level. So before you go, well, I know somebody needs this word today, it's you. Come on, somebody. We all go through it. This isn't your neighbor's word. This is your word today, all right? But I would be doing you injustice and I would be disrespecting you if I even thought that I can come in here in 35 minutes, solve all your issues in life, because that's not going to happen. But as your pastor, my goal and role is to try to get you on a path, to get you on a journey, because we're all in it, aren't we? We're all dealing with life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the pretty. We're all dealing with it. And that's what this series is about. And we always try to be transparent up here with you and let you know we're human beings just like you. We hurt just like you hurt, and we shout just like you shout. But my role today is not to fix all of your problems. It's to get you on a journey to get out of your problems. My job cannot resolve the issues that are causing your depression or the attack of depression on your life, but if I can just get you focused on a journey that will walk you out of it, that's my role and my goal today. You see, all of us must come and understand I, that I, I'm not against medicine, I'm not against medical treatment, I'm not against counseling. All of these are great efforts in helping us deal with our depression, but God wants to deliver us and set us free from our depression. And, and I want to try to help you today walk on this journey. I've never been what you would call a depressed person. I've always loved life. I'm a fighter. I'm a class A personality. I've got the lion personality. So everything in my life is like an, it's like an opportunity to win a battle. That's the way I look at life. So depression's never really been a stronghold in my life. But I can tell you, in 2003, I was at one of the lowest points of my life. Nothing wrong was going on. The church, we were over on Fairfield Drive. We, we were having good church. The church has never been a church of conflict. This has been the easiest church that I've ever pastored in my life. You guys are amazing. And we were running about 150 people over there. Church was healthy. Church was good. Bills were paid. That's always good for a pastor. I mean, it was good. And family life was wonderful. No issues in the family, you know, as far as any conflict and everything. And, and, and everything was good. But I was in a dark room. I, I was in a dark place in life. I mean, I couldn't feel anything. 
we were having church over there and worship was just taking off and people around me are, woo, and I can't feel nothing. And this went on for over six months. I'm preaching on know-how. I didn't feel anointing. Though God was there, I couldn't feel it. And, and there was no sin in my life. There was nothing wrong going on. There was no crisis taking place. I just found myself in a funk. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, just like, just let me feel something. And, and, and so I, I, I was just at a point that I literally met with my wife and my son, Brad, who's our executive pastor, and I said, if this don't change, I, I've got to do something different. I will not continue to stand in front of these people and preach the gospel and not feel like I'm feeling the anointing of God and doing it. That's an injustice to them. And I was invited to a conference, real quick story. I was invited to a conference in Jacksonville. I hadn't been to a conference in like 18 years. And, and, and I really didn't want to go because, you know, I thought I was going to hear a bunch of 20-year-old preachers tell me how to build a church successfully in one year. And, and I've been doing this for a long time, and I ain't feeling it. You know what I mean? I got over there, and it was guys like Larry Stockstill and Willie George and Chris Hodges pouring their life into us. And, and we got over there, and, and the first night, Chris Hodges gets up, and he preaches out of a book he, he just wrote called Fresh Air. And man, it was a word directly to me. I mean, it was like God opening. You ever had God just read your mail? You know, and, and it was just like, and Kathy's elbowing me going, are you listening? Are you listening? I'm like, I will if you'll quit hitting me. You know what I'm saying? Leave me alone. And, and you know, and I'm, I'm sitting there and God's just giving me this word. And then the pastor got up and he goes, if you're here and you're a hurting pastor, we want you to know we have professional counselors in our church and they're gonna be in these rooms and it's private and you can just sneak in one and they're there to help you. And I went to one. Because when you're that dark, man, you're feeling that empty, you don't care anymore. And, and I went in one, and I told him, I said, man, he, he questioned me, and he sin in your life, not that I know of, I've searched myself raw. I mean, I, I don't know anything. I just can't find God, man. I can't feel nothing. And he began to pray over me for an hour. This man prayed over me, this Christian counselor, and he began to speak life into me. And then he said, God's got a word for you this week. You're going to hear from God. God's going to speak to you. It may be in a song. It may be in a sermon. It may be in a dream. But God's going to speak to you. He's getting ready to move you. He can never take you to somewhere new until you're dissatisfied with where you are. And, and that night, I went to bed, and at 2.30, I've got it written in my Bible, God woke me up. I just woke up, and Transformation Church was in front of me, and I'm like, okay. And I went back to sleep, and at 4.32, God woke me up in Transformation Church, and I knew God was speaking to me, and I got up, and I Googled it. What does transformation mean? And it means an immediate change of appearance, form, and character, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me at that moment and said, I'm about to do a new thing in your life and in your ministry. I want you to go home, change the name of your church, get ready. We're going to change the dynamics of the direction of it. Don't be afraid of change. Get ready because I'm getting ready to do a brand new thing in your life and in your ministry. We came home, told our staff, they're like ecstatic. And you were all with us that were there, and we changed the whole dynamics. We got rid of the suits and ties. We, we watch every word of every song we sing here because everything we do here on Sunday morning is geared toward the unchurched to come in and sing a song that they can understand and hear a message that they can grab hold of and take home and change their life. And we focus on one thing on Sunday morning, and that's your unsaved family and friends coming in here and finding a safe place to meet Jesus. We've grown from 150 to over 600 in the last three and a half years. God's blessed us with a brand new facility and we're watching God do it. I'm saying all of us go through those journeys in our life, but you will never move into something new until you're dissatisfied with the old. And I want to help some of you get out of the old this morning and move into the new. 
Psalms 42, David says, My tears have been my food day and night, while men say unto me all the day long. Come on, anybody got those voices? Anybody, have you ever noticed that, man, when you're in your darkest place, the negative people come out of the woodworks? Come on, somebody, <laughs> right? He said, my tears have already been my food day and night. I'm in depression, man. I'm depressed. And then the people around me all day long are saying, where's your God? Come on, that God you've been telling us about that can heal your sickness, why are you still sick? That God you said is going to supply all your needs, why aren't your bills paid? That God, there's a peace and a joy in your heart. Why are you miserable and unhappy? Come on, where is your God? Boy, they show up out of nowhere. You find relatives you didn't know you had when you're depressed. These things I remember, and here's what I want you to get to today because David's in a place of depression. He's got all this negativity coming to David, and then David falls to the trap of the enemy. These things I remember as I pour out my soul how I used to how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, the Savior of my God. David is thinking about how happy he used to be, how, how his marriage used to be wonderful, but now it's gone sour. How his finances used to be blessed, but now he feels broke. How he used to have all this joy, but now he feels sorrow and grief. How he used to wake up and look forward to every day, and today he wakes up wondering if today's pain is going to be worse than yesterday's misery. And he remembers how it used to be. Because you see, David's thinking determined the attitude of the atmosphere he was going to spend that day in. And it's not your circumstances that's creating your depression. It's what you're thinking through them. And I want to talk to you today about three areas of attack that the enemy wants to bring these voices into your mind. And I want to ask you today, what voices are you listening to? Because it's the voices that you're listening to, what you're hearing and thinking, that's going to determine whether you move into this attack and this dark place of depression or not. So let's look at some bad choices that come from these areas of bad thinking. Number one, Satan will deceive you. Satan wants to deceive you. Remember when Jesus was asked by the disciples, Lord, what is the sign of your coming and what's the sign of the end of the age? He didn't start off with wars and rumors of wars and famine and pestilence. He didn't start there. You know the first thing he said? Pray that no man deceives you. He said there's a spirit of deception that the enemy is going to bring upon society, and he wants to deceive you and take you. Isn't that what Satan did with Eve in the garden? Is he twisted the word and brought deception because you can only deceive someone with partial truth. I can't deceive you with a total lie. You go, that's a lie? I know that whole thing's a lie. But if I can work a little truth in it and get you to listen, and that's what Satan wants to do is he wants to get just enough truth in it to get you, well, maybe, well, maybe God, well, God might, and he wants to deceive you. And when you start listening to that voice, well, maybe God doesn't want me to fight for this marriage. Maybe I made a bad, maybe God wants me to, 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 to go and do this job and I'm gonna miss church and I'm gonna get pulled out of my relationship with God, but boy, the money's good. It's a little truth. 
to get you to believe a lie. Come on. Am I preaching to the right people yet? Because the Bible said in John 8, when he, the devil, lies, watch this, he's speaking in his native language. That's pretty blunt right there. When he lies, he's talking in his native language. For he's a liar and he's the father of every lie. You see, Satan cannot touch, and I want you to get this. Everybody, everybody look at me for a second. Satan cannot touch you and he cannot harm you because we have the angels of heaven camped round about us. He cannot touch you, but if he can deceive you and get you into depression, he'll get you to harm yourself. He can't harm me, but if he can get me into a dark place, I'm, I've prayed until I don't know how to pray again. That bottle of Jack Daniels is looking really good right now. I'm serious. Okay, okay, I, it's not working. That, that girl at the job that keeps flirting with me, let's just do it. He can't hurt you, but he'll get you to hurt yourself. Through bad choices, because he's jumping on your atmosphere of depression and darkness and loneliness and he wants to deceive you into thinking wrong so you'll make wrong choices. We've got to come and see the attack that he's building against us. You see, we've got to come and realize that, that God wants to come and speak a word. The psalmist said in Psalms 13, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? You need to stop listening to the lies of the devil. When Kathy and I, we pioneered a church in Cincinnati, Ohio in 1990. It was in Over the Rhine, the ghetto of the ghetto of Cincinnati, Ohio. I mean, when we got that building, I had drug dealers pulling up and pinning me against the wall with their automobiles telling me, you won't survive here. And we did. It's still, now we own the whole, the whole block. We do. But, but what, what I'm saying is, man, we took over an old theater. It was seat 800 people. It had a hole in the ceiling bigger than this ceiling. I mean, it had been rain pouring in it for over seven, ten years. And I mean, it stunk. It had rats bigger than cats. And that's no lie. And we went in there and just totally fixed that building. And we did it totally on faith. I mean, our opening day, we had like three, 400 people. Then our first Sunday, we had about 17 on the front row in a building seat 800. That will depress you. You know what I'm saying? And, but we just kept plowing, man, and building and preaching. And I traveled all through the weeks to go to churches that wanted to help us financially because we did it totally by faith. And, and I'll never forget, we were having to scrape every inch of that building. It was four stories high on the inside, an old theater. And, and, and we had scaffolding going up four stories and an 18-inch walkboard that went from one scaffold to the other. And I was up there walking that walkboard and scraping that ceiling. And, man, and, and I was already dealing with the wrestling of, man, are we going to be able to do this? This is big. And, and we didn't have the money. We did it all on faith. And, and, man, a cloud of depression came over me. It was like a dark cloud. Just It was like literally a cloud came in that building and hovered over me and the enemy began to speak to me that you are stupid, you are foolish, thinking you're going to turn this place into a, a house of worship and a church and that you're going to make impact on this community. And I mean every lie the enemy could speak, man, I mean it was bombarding me to a point that I just threw down the scraper and I laid on that 18 inch board and I began to cry out to God, I can't do this. It's too big, it's too big, I can't do this. And I began to take and chew on the negativity 
The next day, I went to Alabama to preach at a, a church that wanted to help us financially. And that, when I got there, I heard that my mentor, Burke Clendenin, was preaching at a church down the road about an hour. Man, I got up early. I went to the morning session. He's my hero. He's with the Lord now, but he's an old Marine sergeant. He impacted my life more than anybody next to my father. And he, he was just a big man. His hands looked that big. His fingers looked that long when he pointed at you. You know, I mean, just like, I mean, he was Satan's worst nightmare. This guy would whoop the devil's butt every time they got in the fight. I mean, just, I mean, just, you know, I was with him in the bank one day when Texas was going through its worst decline when the oil crisis hit. And we're going through the bank and oh, uh, Clinton, he's whistling and singing. And, and the, I'll never forget the president of the bank come out and he said, BH, he said, how can you be so happy when the world's going so sour? He never missed a lick. He said, that's your world, brother. Mine's doing fine. Just kept on whistling. Yes, sir. I'm telling you today. And, and uh, he was just Satan's worst nightmare. But I, I got there just in time. The worship was over. And he was about to step up to preach. I'm in a dark point in my life. I'm depressed. I'm, I'm getting worked over by the enemy. And I, I go to sit down. We, we never got time to embrace. He just looked over at me and threw that big old finger. He said, always remember this, son. God never starts anything on earth he hadn't already finished in heaven. Oh, my God. I, it was like, man, just God just came down. It was like God just went. And all that, that burden, that discouragement, that de depression just went. And I went, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Listen to me today, church. you got to quit listening to the wrong voice. You've got to stop listening to the enemy that's come to deceive you and tell you what it's not going to be, and you need to start declaring or prophesying over yourself what God's already promised you it's going to be. Come on, church, help me. Number two, we've got to go quick. And let me throw this in there. As long as you're blaming others for your situation, you're never looking at the real you. Others may have an issue or a part in my crisis, but they have absolutely no say-so in the decisions that I make over them. Number two, Satan will deceive you. Number two, the world will deteriorate you. The enemy wants to come and slowly deteriorate your faith, deteriorate your joy, deteriorate your hope. He wants to come in and start breaking it down and bring disease to it, cause it to become weak. He wants you to begin to just melt away little by little. You see, you will never find freedom from depression if you do not separate yourself from the negative influences that are causing them. Look at Paul in Ephesians. This is a powerful scripture. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. Now, he's saying, he didn't just say, I want to talk to you. Here's what, how he starts out. I'm going to tell you something, and I'm insisting that you listen to what I'm saying. That's pretty serious. So he's doubled this thing up. He's doubling up on it. You need to listen to what I'm about to say, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. You got to quit thinking like all the losers in your world are thinking. Their marriage just sunk, so they're going to tell you how to sink yours. They're broke. They want you broke with them, so they feel at home with you. They're miserable. They don't want you coming in singing the joy of the Lord and the blessings of God. They want you miserable with them. He's saying you can't think like they think. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life that's in God. You and I have got to separate because Satan wants to deteriorate 
you and I are thinking. He wants to come and start weakening our convictions. You got to be careful. The Bible says that we got to take heed to the prince of the air. That, that we got to be careful that there's a prince. God has given Satan the authority to operate in the atmosphere. And in the atmosphere is where we get our airwaves. And that's why Hollywood controls the way many people think and they're pumping in violence and they're entertaining us with people being ripped apart and blown apart and hatred and evil and sensuality. And I'm not one of these preachers that come up here and everything you say or breathe is sin and you're going to hell. I'm not one of those preachers, but I am gonna warn you today that what you are allowing into your spirit and into your eyes and into your ears and into your heart and into your mind has a direct effect on the spirit man that you operate in and you're allowing your soul and your body to hear and be fed everything thing is warning going, I want more hatred, I want more violence, I want more sex, I want more of this, I want more, I want more, I want more, and your spirit man's starving to death, and then you want to know, why am I depressed? Because the enemy wants to deteriorate you through the world and the worldly stuff. You listen to that news, 90% of it's a lie. And then we believe it for fact, and then we go make decisions on that. We listen to music. I mean, I pull up to a red light sometimes, I hear the guy next to me, and everything's an F-bomb, a GD, and I'm like, how depressing is it in that automobile? Turn this baby up. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. I mean, you got to realize today that the enemy's trying to break you down. He wants to deteriorate your faith and, and your foundation of what you believe in. It's not okay. Oh, it's not okay. I think I'll, it's not okay. You've got to come and go, I don't think like they think. I don't live where they live. I don't participate in what they participate in. I'm holy. I'm righteous. I'm redeemed. I belong to the Lord. He's my God. I'll not hurt him. I'll not disappoint him. I'll not offend him. I belong to him. I'm his son. I will bring honor to him. And all that I think, I say, or I do. Because I'm not waking up going, is today's misery going to be worse than yesterday's pain? I'm waking up and going, this is the day that my God has made. I will rejoice, and I'm going to be glad in it. He's redeemed me. He's my Father, and he's my Lord. Come on, help me in here today. Then Paul goes on in Ephesians, he says, but as for you, see, he talked about them earlier. He says, but as for you, he says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler and the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. When I give in to that lying spirit, I give in to that deceptive lie of the enemy, a little alcohol is okay when you had an alcohol problem. Little pornography is not going to hurt nobody when you've already been tempted to cheat on your spouse. It's not okay. Because the enemy's wanting to deteriorate your way of thinking that you now live by culture, not conviction. And when you start living by culture, you will die every time. My conviction through the word must always override the culture of society that I find myself living in. Number three, you're getting quiet. Your crisis 
will confuse you. Satan will deceive you. Yes, he will. The world will deteriorate you. Yes, it will. But your crisis, we're talking about depression. Your crisis, it'll confuse you. Because problems confuse us. Anybody had a problem? You don't see clearly when you're in the midst of a crisis. Things aren't so easy to understand. They don't make sense. I can't put one and one together and make two out of it. It's confusing. Because you see, before my crisis came, life was wonderful. And I could see Jesus clearly. And my window was clean and washed. And and he's beautiful and he's lovely. And he's my father. He's my Lord, my provider, my healer, my comforter. He's my all in all everything. And then suddenly out of nowhere, a rock was thrown. And it hit and shattered my window. Now I don't see him so clearly. That doctor's report's messing up my vision. That, that counselor's report that's telling me my marriage is over is messing up my view. I can't make sense out of this. That, that banker that told me I'm losing everything is really messing me up because on the other side, I saw him a week ago as, as Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides for me. But now I'm not sure because one piece is big and another piece is small and my window's been fragmented and it depends on where I see him and how I see him. He's big in one piece. He's small and another he's distorted I can't make it out and I'm confused right now and the enemy wants to take that place of confusion and he wants to bring you into a place of unbelief that maybe he's not going to do what he said he would do and your crisis confuses us You see, one of our most common mistakes is we assign our crisis to God. We blame him for it. We assign it on him. We don't cast it to him. We blame it on him. Because God, you had the power and the authority to stop this. And you didn't. And we throw it and we blame it on him. And then we excuse our failure because God, if he had done his job, I wouldn't be drunk tonight. No, I'm talking to you. This is real talk. If God, if you'd answered my prayer, I wouldn't have went out and done that sexual thing and messed with somebody I wasn't supposed to. God, if you had showed up, I wouldn't have gone. God, this is your fault. Because we're confused. The enemy wants to come and bring such a spirit of depression in our confusion that we go make bad choices. Come on, I'm pastoring you right now. Because I'm preaching out of my life every Sunday. Because all of us battle this, don't we? The psalmist put it like this. And, And by the way, if you haven't noticed, the psalms, almost every psalm in the Bible starts off like this. Life is horrible. The devil's real. Everything's miserable. I feel broken and torn apart. Can't find God. Am I right? And then right at the end of every one of them, but he is faithful. He is wonderful. He stands to his word. He's a shepherd like no shepherd. I mean, there's 42 verses on I can't make it. I'm going to die. God, you abandoned me. I can't find you anywhere. And then there's two verses, but God is faithful. Because God knows that life is like that, that there's mountains and there's valleys and there's somewhere in between. And we spend 90% of our life neither on the mountaintop or in the valley, but somewhere in between trying to find our way back up to the top of that mountain. 
God knew depression was so real, he gave a whole book to it called Lamentations. Now, don't read it every day in your daily reading. We'll not encourage you that much. But he knew that depression was so real that he got the prophet Jeremiah to write a whole book on it and talk to us about it because it was very, very real. And he knew that we were dealing with it and, and that life was going to be tough. Look at the Psalms 13, six verses. The first verse starts off like this. How long will you forget me, God, forever? And then the sixth verse, the last one goes, I will sing the Lord's praise because he has been good to me. It's like, yep, that's life. Then in Lamentations, Jeremiah, he begins to explain how he feels. And I mean, in chapter three, he goes through 18 verses of just blasting how horrible God is, that, that God's breaking his bones. And, and that God's, he even goes to a point that says, God's picking up rocks and crushing our teeth with them. You ever seen God do that? He's so distorted because how many knows in your pain, you distort things. You exaggerate things. You're like, I was better off in the world. If it was so good, why did you need to come to Jesus to start with? It wasn't that good. Now when the crisis hits, we want to go back and believe that lie of the enemy. But here's what Jeremiah, he comes back and he goes, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them and my soul is cast down within me. Yet this I call to mind, his thinking. He's renewing his mind. This I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Our crisis come to confuse us. Many of you know our little Jabin, my little grandson, if you're a guest, my little four-year-old grandson, Brad's son, the executive pastor, will be up in a minute. He's in very, very, very critical condition. We've been in the pediatric ICU all week long since Monday morning. He's on morphine now. He's, he's suffering. He's hurting. It's the hard, hardest thing I've ever gone through in my life. And I don't get it. But I, we were called into the meeting with all the doctors Wednesday and given the worst news that we could possibly hear. And I went back to Jabin's room and I sat down and I had to let my mind go to the right place. And I began to give thanks to God over Jabin because I don't have to go far and I can go to another country and there's another four-year-old boy and he's being held up by some violent men his head's being cut off because his mom and dad won't denounce the Christ that I'm preaching to you about today. I can go over to Syria and I can see thousands of little boys like Jabin having to walk down the street with no clothes and no food and hungry and homeless and no shelter and being forced to move to another country to live to just try to spare their life. I can go to Lima, Peru where I've been and I can walk the streets and find over 600,000 orphan children that have no family and they're living in the garbage dumps and, and six and nine-year-old girls and boys are selling their body just to get a, a piece of pizza and something to eat. But I got to walk into a room and though my pain is real and though my heart is broken, 
I got to look at a little boy that's surrounded by a, a safe place and a family that's around his bed that loves him and a church family that's overwhelming our family with love and support and doctors that can take care of him and ease his pain even in the darkest moments and painful moments of his life. And I can raise my hands and go, you are nothing but good. You are a good God. You are a faithful father. You are God who loves me and you love my grandson and your blessings are new every morning. And I love you today and I thank you, God. And I honor you today. I will not be confused by the heartbreak. I will not be confused by the pain, but I'm going to celebrate and rejoice. I'm going to fight for his life, and I'm going to live for his legacy, and I'm going to declare that God is good, and he's good all the time. My little grandson, I've got three granddaughters, and they're already ruined. They are girls. They are shoppers and makeup, and yeah, I love them to pieces, but they ain't going hunting with me. You know what I'm talking about? I've done tried with Alexia, and she ain't doing it, all right? But little Javen, man, before he was born, I've got him a four-wheeler. I've got him a 7 mil 8 rifle. He's got camo. He's got boots. He's got gloves. He's got a fishing rod. He's got a baseball glove. And, and every Saturday night, I watch Javen so Brad and Ashley can go during the week, too. But every Saturday night's my time, and, and I'll get with Javen. And, and we go, we've been on, he's killed over 20 bucks already. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, he's caught some monster fish, and I'll sit down with him, and we'll, we'll talk, and, we, and, and I'll just watch his actions. And, that's our, and we'll talk for two hours, man. We're on a fishing trip for two hours. And if he jerks, I'll go, oh, you got one. You got one, because he has those jerks. And, and then suddenly, he'll do a big smile, and I go, oh, that's a big one, man. I'm smiling with you. And and we just go, and, and this week in that hospital room, I've been staying every night so Ashley and Brad can sleep and because we have to be on 24-7 guard and in case he stops breathing. So I'm sitting there at the bed, and, and I try to get him every night to turn him my way so I can just sit there, and, and I'm just talking with Javen. He goes to sleep. They give him that morphine, but I'm going to tell you, between 2.30 and 3 o'clock every morning, he wakes up. And so before he goes to bed, I tell him what we're going to do, and I'll go, to, hey, Javen, in the morning, we're going hunting, man. You get some sleep because in the morning, you and Papa's going hunting, and when he opens those eyes at 2.33 in the morning. Hey, Jabin, you up? Hey, we're getting ready. Papa's ready. We're getting ready. Jabin, we're going to the stand, and, and we go on a deer hunt, and, and, and you can say, well, you never got to take him hunting. I've been on more hunting trips with my grandson than you can imagine in your life, and there are memories in my heart that you've got to decide, am I going to let my, my, my crisis confuse me, or am I going to declare that God is God, and he's sovereign, and he's good, and he's faithful, and he loves me, and he loves my grandson and he's got us both in the palm of his hand and he's working all things out for the good today you got to get a new window pane whatever's thrown into your life whatever's been thrown at you and it's shattered your window I want you to stand with me and we're going to do a little different but I want you today to let Jesus come and I want you to make a choice today God I'm hearing a rhema word for me today. I'm hearing a word for me today. This is my word today, God. I've been listening to the lies of the enemy. I've been listening to negative voices. I've been letting the enemy deceive me. I, I, I hear it today, God. But today, Father, I want a new window pane. I want to be able to see clearly again. I want to see you for who you are. Just lift your hands. The team's going to come and help me. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Come on, just close your eyes for a moment. Reap. 
what a beautiful name it is. Come on, sing it. What a beautiful name. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares to this. Compares to this. What a beautiful name. Beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. for what it is and I'm going to declare to the Lord today depression will not have hold over me over my mind over my life I will not believe a negative report I will not hear what the enemy's been saying to me but today I'm going to hear the word of the Lord I'm going to declare that God is nothing but good that God is faithful to his word his promises are still true and God's going to watch over me my family and every good thing that comes from heaven is mine today if that's you I want you to lift both hands to God right now come on and declare it in this song declare it to the Lord Declare it to him today. This is my moment, my hour, my time. Come on. Come on, declare it, declare it. Death could not hold.
love you, Lord. Bow your heads with me very quickly, if you will. Maybe you're in this room right now. You say, Pastor Dan, I'm at ground zero. I'm a good person, but I'm not in a good place spiritually, and I'm just empty, and I'm lost right now, and I know that I need God in my life. And today, I just want to make a choice. I want to make a decree that, God, I need you. And I just want you to pray for me, Pastor. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. But if that's you right now, would you join those that have already accepted Christ this morning in the 9 o'clock service and, and just raise a hand and say, that's me today, Pastor. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I need God in my life. I need Jesus in my life today. I'm not where I need to be spiritually, but today I realize He loves me. He's not here to judge me. He's not here to hurt me. God bless you. More hands are still going up. I need Jesus today. Maybe online. You need to make that choice. We want you to pray with us today across this building. If you raise your hand or you did not and you need Jesus in your life, pray this prayer with me and we're going to join you so you don't feel alone. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, I can come to you. I can confess. I can believe and I can receive you right now. I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart you raised from the dead and I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. According to your word, I'm saying I'm a brand new person in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, you join me and let's celebrate.